0: Hey, all, I'm Mary Payne Gilbert, and this is my podcast, Pain in the Pod. Before we start, I want to offer a trigger warning. Today, we're going to be talking a bit about suicide in the context of this podcast. So, if that's a trigger for you, go ahead and turn it off. My guest today is Jennings Brown, who hosted the podcast, The Gateway. This podcast fascinated me last year because it's sort of about a cult, and I love a good cult story. But what makes this group different is that the leader is a woman, and she's known, among some people, as a suicide catalyst, and the group has been known to be a suicide cult. So, you know, again, that's a trigger warning. Welcome to the podcast, Jennings. Hi. Thanks for having me. Okay. Um, When I first was starting this podcast last year, my producer said, okay, well, we'll do some test things. So send me some interview questions of some dream guests. And you were on that list. So (laughs) it's full circle. I'm glad I'm finally getting to talk to you. Yeah.
1: So glad to connect.
0: Um, Your podcast, The Gateway. So tell my listeners just the basis of your podcast and how you came to find out about uh, Teal Swan and her followers.
1: Yeah, so I discovered uh, Teal Swan. Well, actually, she uh, came to me. I, um, yeah, I was, as I say in the podcast, I, I was sort of, I was between jobs, and um, I was uh, scouring the internet for uh, weird stories about, um, I don't know, conspiracy theories and kind of fringe communities. I, I, I'm a tech reporter, so I was kind of looking for weird stories on the internet. And, uh, YouTube or Google, I think was kind of collecting all sorts of whatever data about my, my weird journalistic curiosities. And, um, YouTube started recommending, I watch these videos from, uh, this spiritual guru. Uh, and so her face just kind of kept popping up and I finally clicked and it was just very unusual to me and fascinating. You know, she was, Uh, It was just this sort of spiritual guru staring deep into the screen and sharing some unconventional uh, advice on very taboo topics. And there was always kind of this swirly, uh, hypnotic background and her voice was very droning and it was just very easy, easy to get sort of sucked in. So I started looking more into her and I realized there was something really fascinating there. Uh, and, and frankly, originally I thought it would it would help me understand how the internet was allowing uh, people like Teal to create new uh, brands of spirituality and connect with new followers. But the deeper I got, the more layers I realized were there. And we decided to explore it as an investigative podcast that helped the uh, the listener kind of go on that journey with me.
0: Yes, for sure, it's a journey, and and you do explain on the podcast how. And I can, you know, I'm getting a vision in my head of you sitting in front of your computer with like this swirly thing, you know, behind your head, like old timey, like you're hypnotized, you know, (laughs) the way the way you described it. And it's interesting that I went when I listened to the podcast last year, I listened to the whole thing I never saw. A picture of her. Mm. And I didn't look until later. And she looked completely different than what I thought.
1: What did you think she looks like? If you don't mind me asking.
0: Well, now like I told you that now I've listened to your podcast more than once. Sure. And, I, and I heard you say long auburn hair, but I didn't hear it the first time. I mm. was imagining like airy fairy, like uh, um, sort of like a white hippie dress. You know, you imagine what somebody mm-hmm. look like going to Woodstock with like a flower crown, <laughs> you know, like blonde hair, kind of California hippie. Um, but but instead, she's got this very dark hair and she looks a little uh, harsh, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, her her brand is much darker. I mean, she talks about you know, topics like uh, trauma and depression and suicide. And you can kind of see that, that darkness in her look, I think.
0: Yeah. I, yes, exactly. So. How long did you research it? By you know, there's she's got this massive Facebook following and all that. So, how long did you sort of research it on your own before you reached out to her directly? Uh, I think
1: a couple months. I've been kind of kicking around, and, and I, I originally uh, pitched it as a story where I work at, at Gizmodo, which is a, a tech news site. Mm-hmm. So I pitched the story, and then the more I was digging, uh, you know, about a couple months in, I was like, we we should probably do this as something more in depth, and so. About two or three months in, I I reached out to her to see if I could interview her, and we had our first FaceTime call.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what was interesting to me is that a a lot of um, podcasts or investigative pieces regarding uh, spiritual leaders or, you know, cult leaders, um, generally the person is not willing to talk at all. But it seems she's sort of a newfangled spiritual leader in that she's all about the social media and the Facebook and I heard her mention in her first conversation with you that um people were, you know, trying to criticize her and bring her down and affect her Amazon scores. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, that you wouldn't hear, you know, the Dalai Lama saying that. Um, I just found that I just found that mm-hmm. Facebook aspect of it and the social media aspect of it so interesting. And do you feel, since you are a tech reporter, do you feel that this is sort of the new way these things are going to go. I mean, what a way to drag people in, right?
1: Sure. And and um, and that reminds me, I mean, you used the word uh, cult, which we were careful not to to use because, um, you know, just because there is so much uh, kind of weight around that word. And also just, um, it, it's, a, it's a very litigious word. Uh-huh. Um, and, and she is, because she's fairly new to the game, um, uh, there are, I, I don't know if any like, quote-unquote cult experts, have deemed her that she fits the, 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 the mark of a cult leader. Um, there are certainly those accusations. And as she says in the podcast, uh, that she has the perfect recipe for a cult. Um, but, you know, originally we were sort of wondering, does she fit that the, uh, the, the characteristics of a cult leader? And then we realized it, it's really something entirely new. And this gets back to your question. that um, You know, using the Internet and social media and the influence that she has – Uh, I mean, it's, yes, she has these locations where people come, but she's really international and she's untethered by geographic locations and she can cast this net all over the world and use specific like SEO and Google ads to target people who are depressed and who uh, will resonate with her brand of spirituality. Um, Yeah, so it's a a whole new beast and she's incredibly uh, entrepreneurial and innovative in the way that she um, targets and, and brings in these people.
0: Yeah. One of the girls that was talking on the Facebook that you captured some of the audio was a, a person that was in distress. She was seeking, you know, some help from her friends on the internet. And she said at the end of, you know, when people were calming her down and whatnot, she said, we may not have a physical place to go to, but we have each other here in this Facebook group. And I thought, you know, that's so interesting because, you know, when you think of groups like this, normally I will not use the c word <laughs> that, that normally they are they have a place to go where they sit with their leader but in in the world that we're in, she's you know pretty savvy that she's reached out and gotten this sort of spiritual group going but mostly on the internet
1: yeah and and also that's kind of where it gets even more dangerous is you have so many people doing her a very uh, unconventional, processes and methods alone in their room. Um, and you know, a lot of these processes revolve around uh, uncovering trauma and, um, you know, and, and, dealing with suicidal ideation. So you have thousands of people all over the world who are watching the videos and listening to these mantras. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, but it's, yeah, it's a scary time. And, and, uh, you know, obviously the, the internet is kind of a Pandora's box and people are using it for all sorts of wonderful and, uh, concerning ways
0: yeah the audio that you played of the girl that was you know in a really bad way and trying to help me not to die tonight and all that what I found interesting was you can get medical help and also have a spiritual leader you know and it seems like with the way Teal says it is it's no, that's not the way it is you need to you know go through her processes and you need to have this spiritual awakening and she's going to help you uncover all this past trauma but you know in my mind I'm like you can you know be on Wellbutrin and also be a spiritual person. You know, you could get a little help if you need it.
1: Sure. Yeah. I um I think something that sh- that resonates with with her followers and um with a, a lot of people is is this kind of anti-establishment. I I found a lot of similarities uh, between what she was saying and and what some um, prominent politicians are saying of <laughs> uh, you know the president being one of them of just don't trust you know the mainstream establishment you know don't trust big pharma. Um and of course there there are legitimate reasons to to distrust you know these big corporations and the the information and the data that they're putting out. But it's this kind of uh don't trust any of that, I alone know how to help you, which I think is very concerning because it 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 puts up blinders to any other possibilities of of helping. And especially in the realm that she's pursuing, uh where you're you where she has a demographic of people who um, are are very focused on uh, some you know, like um, suicide, for instance, and, you know, one thing I I realized uh, when I was uh, researching this is if you, for instance, Google um, something about about suicide, uh, Google and Facebook and, and everybody is really careful about putting up the suicide prevention lifeline. Uh, and but below that, there's not a lot. Um, one of the first things that will pop up under that is Teal Swan's video on suicide. And so if you see the two of those, you know, the, the suicide prevention lifeline, which has a lot of stigma to it, and then you see her video giving advice on it, uh, I just wish there was more in between that, and I wish there, was, there were more options, but it, it, we're getting to a point where it's kind of this, this polarization, um, and uh, she sort of flourishes with that.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one
1: is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com/slash/Instant Ink Spotify.
0: Okay, we're back, and so we're talking about Teal Swan's uh, personality and how she flourishes on sort of being the leader or the um, the purveyor of knowledge. But I would like to go through some of her statements. Um, I listened this morning again for the third time, started listening to your podcast, and heard so many things that I hadn't heard before. And it, it just is more and more wacky, even though I've heard it before. But let, let's go over some of her statements. So she says she has a photographic memory. So she's memorized books on psychology. Okay. Mm-hmm. She, um, she's influencing people with her knowledge of quantum physics. I don't even know what that means. Um, she can see into your body and see your cells as they're moving around. As a matter of fact, she told you that she could see your food digesting and she was pretty sure she had had, you had had something with gluten, which is a pretty good guess. Um,
1: it was, yes, she was, she was accurate there. I'd had um, uh, cereal for breakfast.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, also, she can access every thought that was ever thought in the world. So, So when she's saying these things to you and she was most of these things she said right to you when you were Mm -hmm. with her in Costa Rica or uh, later, what did you I mean, how do you react when somebody says I can access every thought ever thought in the whole world? You know, I I
1: obviously I mean, I'm a. I'm a a journalist and, and, you know, kind of a science-based journalist, so a lot of things she said didn't jive with my understanding of reality, but I tried to go in with an open mind and, you know, not pass any judgment on uh, Teal's beliefs that I wouldn't pass on, um, you know, uh, Christianity or uh, Judaism or any religion, Um, and, you know, it's hard to know just like with any religion, how much is, is metaphor and how much is literal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she, she says a lot of things. She's very prolific. She's written, uh, I think, four books now, and she posts videos almost, I guess, weekly. Uh, she said a lot of things, and a lot of it is this kind of spiritual jargon that goes, you know, it's a lot It is stuff that you would hear is popular in kind of the new age 90s That's that's coming back. Uh, but yeah, it's it was definitely uh, pretty surreal when she's sitting there saying that she can look inside my my body um, or access knowledge from uh, universal consciousness.
0: Yeah, I just feel like it's it's sort of classic narcissism, which that's what I think. That's my opinion. Classic narcissism, and it seems like when you have a, a spiritual leaders, some would say the C-word leaders, they are classic narcissists, everything they need to be the end all be all of the knowledge. Um, you know, she said that she said to you um that she's a star in the spiritual world and that no spiritual leader has ever had to have bodyguards or death threats and you know, I, before I heard your, I was like, I've never heard of this lady before. Now I've heard mm-hmm. of other spiritual leaders, and sure, all leaders—I mean, presidents or spiritual leaders—I mean, the Pope—I mean—are all going to have death threats and need bodyguards. So it just sort of seems like of a, a a grandizing view of herself, you know?
1: Sure, yeah. I—I I mean, she said her uh, her first call with me that. She wanted to be like the the Ellen or the Oprah of the spirituality world, Um, That she's in it for for fame and influence. Uh, But I think on some level, she believes that uh, what she's doing is important enough that she will only help more people if she is that famous. Um, And so uh, uh, does that lean more towards narcissism or a real sense of purpose to help the world? I think you know that's that's up to the listener, um, but it, yeah, she she is very open about the fact that she wants fame and influence.
0: Hmm. I think that's I think that's a really um, good way to put that that it's it's up to the listener. And I was wondering, you know, when you were with her in person, and especially when you're in Costa Rica, and then when you talked to her at the end of the podcast, did you feel that you were like drawn into her at all? Did you feel um, All right, you know, I could see if I was a little lost in my life and I I could feel being drawn into this group.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for one, I don't think anybody is uh, immune to getting drawn into cult like thinking or a spiritual group or a cult. Um, I think I had a bit of a different process in that I read up so much about her and all of the controversy before. I, I got there. You know, a lot of people who join uh, cults or charismatic spiritual groups, uh, they will, you know, when they find out about that stuff, they've already they're already in so deep that they kind of do the mental gymnastics and and you know, uh, sort of apologize for or figure out a way to to make sense of it. Um, but I knew going in. But but certainly when I was out in Costa Rica and seeing all these people, uh, really taking her messages to heart and almost just praising her and, and just so excited to be around her. Uh, it, it kind of gets to you. I mean, I've, I've interviewed uh, people I really admire uh, and, and celebrities, but it, there was nothing compared to to sitting down with somebody who some people think is a, a deity or a demigod or has some sort of special powers. And interviewing them while her followers are surrounding you, uh, it definitely got in my head. And I, uh, I will say my, my first interview with her, it was very hard to stay focused and really, um, stick to what I, what I wanted to ask. And fortunately we had a, a follow-up interview where I, I was able to kind of prepare knowing about, uh, knowing what my first experience was like.
0: Yeah. So I, I would like to talk about that, about the Costa Rica. So you went to her retreat in Costa Rica, which is called Philia. Am I saying that? Yes. Philia. Okay. Um, and what does that mean? Philia.
1: Uh, I think it means brotherly love in Greek. I might be totally off on that, but it's something something like that.
0: That sounds right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so when you first get there, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know what the timeline is, but it seems pretty close to when you first arrive and you're describing the gates. And, of course, it's Costa Rica, so I imagine it's just beautiful. And you're there and you're talking to one of her people, I guess, and it's so much screaming going on in the background. And not like screaming like woo-woo, but screaming like, someone's being stabbed. I mean, it really yeah. sounds like screaming. And then you thought, oh, well, that's a one-time. But no, it kept going and going. And they said, oh, yeah, someone's just doing their whatever kind of a work. And you were like, oh, no. <laughs> um, were you were you ever, like, scared or nervous? I mean, I know you're – obviously, people knew where you were and it wasn't like they were going to kill you. But do, were you ever, like, uncomfortable while you were there? Um, You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, –
1: those moments were, uh, in, in the words of the teal tribe, very triggering. You know that when they when I would hear screaming and I'd be interviewing somebody and they they would look at me and say, "Oh, you're triggered right now. This is the perfect time to go through the process. Is when you are feeling emotionally vulnerable like that." Um, so I was very triggered a lot. Uh, it, it was it was unusual. I was un- uncomfortable. It, it was a whole new world for me. But we never felt like our lives were in. in Dangered, You know, I was, I was there with my producer and, and, you know, we, uh, they were very welcoming. Um, and it, I mean, it it was fairly secluded, but yeah, I don't know. We were just kind of so in it and, and enjoying exploring that, that strange new world for us. Um, but yeah, we never, never really got scared.
0: Yeah. I guess I meant like, you know, it's more of the, I would be a nervous wreck if somebody was screaming like that all the time. I mean, you know, it would it would just make me like a, like a nervous Nelly, like yeah. what's happening? Yeah,
1: you know. I guess we got used to it. Is is the the sad thing or the strange thing is you know when when the first time seemed unusual, but then when you see them immediately like feeling a sense of relief after it, you are like, oh well, I guess this is no different than you know the the church that I was raised in, and people would scream hallelujah. <laughs>
0: I, well that you know that's true. And I do like your open mind of like well, to, to these people this is a different kind of spirituality and maybe you were raised one way and I was raised another way and that's fine. Everybody can have their own thing. Um, but when we come back we're going to talk about the suicide aspect. so we'll be right back.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion.
0: Okay. So Teal pushed back a lot on the idea uh, that she encourages suicide, but she uses the word a lot. And she, these are some of the phrases that she says, you know, when talking to people that are going through trauma and she's trying to help them dig up the past trauma to move past it. And she's, for people that have brought up the fact that they may want to take their own life. She said things like, you can make a decision to work on living or you can make a decision to work on dying. And what she said about Leslie, who is, um, uh, a follower of hers who did commit suicide, she said about Leslie, she said, you know, she chose to commit suicide. And she said, and guess what? She was reincarnated in two days. Now, how she would know that, I don't know. But she just says it so matter of factly. And she said, you know, Leslie needed me to be with her all the time. And I couldn't give that to her. And neither could her husband. You know, and just to me, it seems very sort of, um, Callous, or sort of, well, this is the truth. This is just a matter of fact. And, you know, she just says, I'm going to help you to work on whatever it is that makes you feel suicidal. But if you want to do it, then that's your choice. And then she says, you know, death is a gift that you give yourself, and people would do it more if they knew it was beautiful. It just seems so back and forth with, um, yes, you should do it if that's what you want to do. If you're not willing to take my help and that's what you choose to do, oh well. You know, and I, I feel like, okay, that's somebody's spiritual choice, of course. But on the same side, I'm like, shouldn't you be offering these people that are that close to to wanting to take their own life some medical support or something? I don't know. I just couldn't quite get mm-hmm. over the way she was so matter of fact and seemed very callous about it, sure. Unfe- unfeeling. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that um that was obviously something we had to be very careful with and, and how we we talked about it and presented it. Uh, it my initial reactions to that were very uh, I was I was very put off and and frankly a little horrified by her her language. Uh, it it definitely veered away from what I understand to be best practices around uh, interacting with with people who may have suicidal ideation. Um but I think through talking to her I really got the sense that she had so many horrific experiences in, in the mental health uh, community that she has personally just really demonized it and believes that there's just no way that any of that is good. And she's found her own path. Uh, and, and, but that, while that may be true. Uh, it, it's hard for me to believe that what she believes and teaches is right for everybody. And when you're especially teaching that on such a great grand scale and targeting countless thousands of people all over the world, um, it gets, it gets really messy.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. I'm sure that that process does work for some people, but it's just definitely not going to work for everybody. Mm -hmm. She relies uh, pretty heavily on this idea of repressed memories that she says everyone has and, This really isn't a question. It's just an observation. She just says, everyone has it. Like, the end. It's a matter of fact. But she doesn't really base that on any fact other than she um, studied with this psychiatrist who's known to uh, promote this idea of repressed memories. And I I thought the story was so interesting about her, her friend that she had when she was, I guess, in her 20s before she became the spiritual leader. And she tells her friend, you know, we were in this um like child killing satanic cult together when we were little and you need to go see my doctor to unearth these memories because i know that you were there and this girl's like i had a perfectly happy childhood and nothing none of this happened to me you know mm-hmm. and so it's sort of that definitely in the world there are people that have repressed memories that is for sure a thing but it's not so much as a fact for everybody You know, and that's sort of what she says is that every person has trauma and I can help you unearth it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that was, you know, I thought the um, uh, responsibly handling a story uh, that touched on suicide would be the difficult part. But but memory was actually uh, far more difficult to handle that appropriately because there's so little we know about how memory works. And it is such a controversial thing, especially um when you are talking about uh, memories of, of trauma from from your childhood, um, and uh, yeah, i it was it, it was really alarming to see how many people uh, who have gone through her process have uncovered these these childhood memories of being abused um, and and seeing how that uh, influences their life and and also their their family and relationships. It was, it was incredibly disheartening.
0: Yeah. She's very anti the psychiatric profession because of these things that she said that happened to her when she was young. And she talks the whole time, the whole podcast series about being so against the psychiatric profession. But then she says to you towards the end that she's working on getting her program accredited. And you said, now, wait a second, you're trying to get your program accredited, but you hate the psychiatric profession. And she was working with a um, psychiatrist. So what did you make of that? She's trying to get it seen as the real thing, but yet she hates the psychiatric profession.
1: I mean, you talk to somebody like Donald Trump who hates politics and yet, (laughs) you know, he wants to drain the swamp. Uh, I I kind of got that sense uh, that, you know, it's like, Well, the whole thing is screwed, uh, but, you know, the only way to really uh, to get the uh, notoriety and really help people from the inside is to be a part of it. So, yeah, she's putting her process, she's getting case studies done and hoping to do clinical trials so that uh, people could use their insurance to use, um, to, to go through her process. Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, when she said that, I heard you say, now, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, that,
1: you know, I I really prepared for that final interview, but I was not expecting that one. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: another thing that really um, struck me in the end that she was explaining to you how she could be a cult leader. She's not one, but she explains to you how she could be. And she says you know, all my followers come to me because they're desperate. You know, they're desperate. And I give them something, you know, that they can hang on to. And my processes have been proven to work. And, um, she, she said, you know, I know I have the perfect recipe for it. You know, I know exactly how to do it, but it just, you know, shows how magnanimous I am that I'm not doing it. Meanwhile, she's the way you had described it was she was sitting in this, you know, big throne like chair and everyone's sitting at her feet while she's telling you this. So, in the end, did you come away thinking she is more or less of a cult leader than what you initially maybe thought?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I will clarify in that, um, allegedly in that, uh, final interview was actually in a Airbnb kind of McMansion, uh, in Utah. So it was a little more humble of a, of a setting. Uh, so it made it a little easier to kind of, uh, to, to, talk to her on a human level. So there was, there was no throne in that, in that setting. Oh, okay. <laughs> but there we were, yeah, we were surrounded by her, by a few of her followers. And, uh, it was definitely intimidating for me, but, um, sorry, what was the, the question again? What well, I,
0: I guess that my, my thought is that she sort of says to you flat out, like, I know that I could be a cult leader and here's why. And she explains it to you step-by-step. And then she says, but I'm not one, you know, because basically I'm nice and I'm magnanimous and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do that to people. But did you come away from it thinking, you know, depending on what your definition of a cult is, it could or could not be. And I know, you know, that word is also a a little nerve wracking. But from me hearing it as a listener, it Mm -hmm. did seem to me that she herself is a little bit more of a cult leader. I don't know if I could say her followers are cult followers, but sure. you know, that's just, I was just wondering if you, from, yeah. from when you started to when you ended, what your thought process was on her in particular.
1: Yeah. I think what I took from that uh, exchange is that it seems like, look, she doesn't seem, she doesn't shy away from that, uh, that terminology. Um, it's that word is used several times in, in, the podcast. And I think m- many of them are from her um, talking about how people call her a cult and, you know, that people say she's a cult leader, but, and she's not, but she has the recipe for it. Uh, right. It seems like she really, she really likes that. Uh, so I thought that was more interesting to me that she in some way seemed interested in, in being in the fact that people think of her as that as, as such. Um, so, you know, you can kind of take uh, from that what you will, you know, in her own words, she has the recipe. Um, and if you think that she is creating a community where people are dependent on her and, um, and she has the power of a cult leader, then, I mean, that that could lay it out right there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. That's very, um, dipl- that's very diplomatic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm clearly, yeah, <laughs> tap
1: dancing around it. Um, that,
0: that is fine. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Um, so let me ask you this. What are you going to be working on next? Teal Swan part two.
1: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, well, we we're uh, working on a project. You can't give away too much. We're working on a project that's in a uh, similar vein um, that will sort of be in the spirit of this that hopefully I can share more soon. Uh, I'm always kind of juggling a few weird investigations around uh, interesting communities and characters. Uh, but yeah, nothing, um, nothing definitive to report right now.
0: Okay. Well, that makes me excited if it's going to be anything like the gateway, because that was, um, you know, like I said, last year, somebody just said, had you listened to it? And I said, oh yeah, let me give it a try. And I just, I think I probably listened to the whole thing in like a day and a half. Um, it was really, really well done and a really interesting story that, to me is so interesting because you could go and look it up. Like right now, I can get off this and go and look up, and there's so much information on the internet about her. Sure. Um, so it's super interesting to me and cool that you got to like sit with her one on one and kind of get her side of it. Yeah.
1: Well, um, thank you so much for listening. I I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: I did. I loved it. So speaking of podcasts, when you have a chance to listen to podcasts, what are you listening to?
1: Uh, you know. A few that really stood out to me recently were, um, uh, the, the NXIVM podcast by CBC. Obviously that's, uh, in a, in a similar realm. Um, and then, uh, the dream was the favorite, uh, you know, exploring multi-level marketing schemes.
0: Yeah. Uh, so good.
1: But yeah, I, I enjoy more, you know, narrative journalism, uh, podcasts is kind of what I, what my go to just to see how different people are exploring, uh, this form of storytelling
0: yeah, I loved um, Uncover, Escaping Nexium as well. Mm-hmm. I talked to Josh on this podcast, and he's actually about to come back on and do a oh, uh, cool. follow-up with me since everyone is um, in the court system now. Yeah, and, yeah. And Keith Raniere is in jail and all that. And I loved The Dream, too. I, I thought when I first listened to it, I thought it was going to be about, you know, um, Avon and Mary Kay and all these various <laughs> – um, but it turned out to be sort of like a history of multi-level marketing. And then mm-hmm. – I loved how she had her producer join a multi-level marketing (laughs) and and they get depressed because, like, she couldn't get her numbers up and stuff. She was trying to sell makeup, I think. Um, That would, yes, both of those, I think, are excellent and very, very different, but very well done.
1: Yeah, and I'm very excited about, uh, I just saw that uh, the Pineapple Street has a Cops series about the, uh, the old TV show
0: yes Um, i'm really excited for that yeah that popped up today that um dan taberski i guess who did richard simmons simmons and the y2k um, yeah yeah i'm thinking to myself like i didn't know i needed a podcast about cops (laughs) but i guess i do totally (laughs) yeah so i'm I'm, yes that popped up on my feed today that's so funny you said that Mm. um i love how sometimes they they drop them into their networks other podcasts so you have to listen to the ad it's very smart and it's also, of course, now I'm sucked in. I want to watch it. Oh, totally. Um, so tell me where we could find you on social media. Uh,
1: you could follow me on Twitter or Instagram at T Jennings Brown. Okay. And uh, that's, I think, the best way to see uh, whatever new and weird projects I have coming out.
0: Are your new and weird projects coming out soon-ish?
1: I've got, uh, yes, a, a couple uh, stories, uh, investigations that will be uh, online and then... Um, uh, in the next few months, I'll have more in the uh, the TV and podcast space.
0: Okay, cool. All right. Well, everybody, follow T Jennings Brown, and as always, please follow me on social media. All my handles are Pain in the Pod, and if you feel super nice, you can leave me a five star review on iTunes. I'm told that those things really help. So, everybody, go listen to the Gateway, and you will thank me later for that as well. All right, Jennings, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time out of your day. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, thank you.
0: Okay, thanks.